Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. A Suburban Nightmare. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. On October 13, 1982, Stacy Perman and other locals went to the house of the Salomon family, a well-liked social family on their street, noticing that the Salomon's pool had overflowed and it was spilling into their yards. She and a group of concerned friends found a locked door, cars in the driveway, and the family's cocker spaniel, Mishmish, hanging out in a soaking backyard. It was a puzzling scene. But this was only the start to a 10-year nightmare spanning Southern California to London, spawning three trials and countless legal hearings exposing family secrets and heartbreak. Today we're talking about the mysterious and unsolved disappearance of the Salomon family. Looking in, the Salomons were a pretty normal, modern American family. Elaine and Saul first met in 1971 at a bar in Hollywood, California. Elaine was a 28-year-old divorcee with a four-year-old daughter, Michelle. Saul was a handsome 24-year-old Israeli immigrant who had landed in Los Angeles a year earlier, driving a taxi and selling encyclopedias before setting up a successful business refilling fire extinguishers. After they married and had their son, Mitch, they moved out of their Reseda condo to their home on Lassen Street, a quiet cul-de-sac in Northridge. Elaine worked as a volunteer counselor at a local clinic. The kids went to a good school. They even had a family dog a friendly spaniel named Mishmish. They continued to thrive. The family had great clothes, a baby grand piano, Greek statues around their new pool, and always bought the latest technology of the time, a large screen TV, VCRs, and cassettes. They loved nice cars in sexy colors, including a canary yellow Continental Mark V, a midnight blue Mercedes-Benz, and a burgundy Rolls-Royce. Michelle was a typical boy-crazy teenage girl who loved sleepovers and nice dinners. One of her favorite restaurants was on the rooftop at the Bonaventure Hotel in downtown Los Angeles. On Tuesday, October 12th, the family spent the day hanging out with Elaine's parents, the Malerowitzes, and at around 6 p.m., Saul left to go to a car auction with a business associate named Harvey Rader. Elaine's parents left around 10.30 p.m. Later, Elaine made a call to her friend, mentioning that her husband's associate, Harvey Rader, was at the door. Elaine hung up with her friend. Her friend didn't pay much attention to the sudden interruption. That call would be the last anyone would ever hear from anyone in the Salomon family. The next evening, neighbors noticed the pool overflowing. In the driveway were Saul's burgundy Rolls-Royce and his work van, with Apollo fire extinguishers emblazoned on the side. Saul's Mercedes-Benz was gone. As neighbors and friends started talking to one another, it became clear that no one had seen any of the Salomons that day. No word from Saul, Elaine had not shown up to her shift at the clinic, and Mitchell and Michelle had both not been to school. 
After a frenzied call, LAPD's Devonshire Division pulled up to the Salomon's ranch house and checked the perimeter, saying nothing seemed amiss. Neighbor Marty Laffer, a resigned IRS criminal investigator, urged them to check inside the house. When Elaine goes to the bathroom, all of her friends and relatives know, he told them. There's two kids involved, and it doesn't make sense that they would lock up the house and be gone without telling anybody. The police did soon enter the locked house through a bathroom window, and some of the neighbors followed. The team noted no sign of a break-in, no damage, and the burglar alarm had not been activated. Casing the house, there were no signs of a struggle. Nothing was missing. Even the beds were made, the police said. That's when another neighbor panicked. Elaine never made the beds, she said. Something was wrong. In the backyard, the water seemed to be set to flow into the pool on purpose, and there was a baseball bat near the wet bar. The most disturbing details were found in daughter Michelle's room. The pillowcases, sheets, and bedspread were missing from Michelle's bed, and there were small blood splatters on the bedroom wall and mattress. Inexplicably, a piece of carpet had been cut from the floor and then covered with a bathroom rug. On October 17th, more clues were found. Strewn haphazardly along the Antelope Valley Freeway, about 15 minutes from the house, were family passports, wallets, and photos. This was enough to convince the police that they were dealing with foul play, a kidnapping, or possible murder. On October 20th, a week after the Salomon family were reported missing, Daryl Gates, LA's police chief, held a press conference in which he characterized the investigation as, quote, difficult and perplexing, and as one that could, quote, prove to be very important. He described the blood in Michelle's bedroom. When asked how much, Gates responded that it was, quote, more blood than I would want to lose. He added that LAPD detectives had already been aware of Saul, but he refused to go into detail. In his statement, he also suggested that there might be ties to the Israeli mafia. Of course, the media ran with this information. Many rumors played into the fear around this case, mostly around Saul's Israeli roots. People thought that maybe the Solomons were in with the Israeli mob, or counterintelligence, or were drug dealers, or maybe something came back to haunt Saul from his days in the Israeli armed forces. The public was having a field day with the limited information that they had. Neighbors, however, were resigned to the fact that their friends were probably gone forever. During this time, police were focused on one person. You probably guessed who. The guy who Saul hung out with the day before. The guy who interrupted Elaine's call. Harvey Rader. And surprise, surprise, he was not a great guy. Let's take a break. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now. All you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, hello, how are you? Hello. How are you doing? This is the check-in. This is it. We're getting close to the end of the year. 
Yeah, we're at the end of the year, like you mm-hmm, said. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're here. We've made it in whatever form you're in, whatever place you're at. And what have we learned? Oh, boy. We've learned that I think sometimes you don't want to hear all the chit chat or the ads when you listen to <laughs> Ghost Town. Oh, yeah? Patreon.com slash Ghost Town Pod is a great place to go. Sure. Especially if you want to go back and binge. Yeah. Don't yeah. go to spa. Go to the ghost. Go to our Patreon. Yeah, it's a great place to hang. Go to a gym. No. Go to the Patreon. Work out or lack of workout your mind. <laughs> if anything, it'll it'll devolve you. But mm-hmm. so what? Sometimes we need a de-evolution. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and this is the place to do it. Yeah. And we want to say hello to everyone who's listening. Thank you, anyone who supports the show, mm-hmm. anyone who is a patron, mm-hmm. and of course our government. Absolutely. Roll call. Hello. Ashley Matson. Hello. Dar Rosenzweig. Hi. David Bull. Bonjour. James Harrington. Hi. And the one and only. The only and one. Governor extraordinaire. Governess. Sure. Avian Noble. Thank you for the support. And we have a, f- a few tiny little baby little tiny little <laughs> Apple podcast reviews. Tiny potties. That's made it even more weird than <laughs> sorry, me saying baby. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Between that oh and the baby. God. This is see, you miss Someone all this. Me out of if, my if you want early access to these episodes, you miss things like baby potty, Ugh. daddy mommy. God, I'm four hundred year old years old. I can't even speak in a sentence anymore. Well, Dan four five one five in the USA says hella tight five stars. <laughs> I'll take that's the best compliment someone could ever give me. Need I say more? That's like a Northern California thing. Mm-hmm. Even though this episode is well, it's northern to where we are. Yeah. And then from tote bag user in India, nice. like you, I love you already. One of my favorites, and it's spelled with favor with the O U R. So Ooh, it's classy. I really like listening to this podcast when I'm painting or completing assignments. I don't know why people keep complaining about the chat slash gossip part of the episodes. <laughs> like it's so interesting to listen to. Thank you for the podcast. Oh, they're making art while they're listening to art. Yeah, maybe maybe she needs another tote bag. <laughs> Go, is there a ghost town tote bag? Can, can make that happen. We can make that happen. Do you really need another tote bag, though? I feel like if you have tote bags, you already have a lot of them. Yeah. Right? Oh, for sure. You and amax. Pe- you, yeah, if you're, you know, if you're into totes, you're into totes. But if you're into the San Fernando Valley, I know this area, mm-hmm. and I know the street. I know Lassen, yeah. because I'm not going to say where and what and why, but taking Lassen very often, probably mm. two or three times a month. Wow. I know this area, and I'm excited about the year it takes place. Whoa. The area, I'm not excited that people are missing. No. But as far as something that occurred, I'm interested in this kind of story in this area and the time period. I wish it was under better circumstances, but I know this area, and Damn. I'm very curious to maybe locate some of the places respectfully. Mm. Piece it together. <laughs> Piece yeah, it together. absolutely. Well, let's get back there to where Jason's most familiar, maybe most at home. Northridge, California. And I also want to say, too, that I might not be pronouncing the Salomon family name correctly. Let me know if it's right or wrong. I know it's Israeli, and I'm trying to do my best here, but bear with me. So the prime suspect of the Salomon case was Saul Salomon's friend and business associate, Harvey Rader. Rader was a British national with a long criminal record. 
He was convicted of more than a dozen crimes, some of which he was imprisoned for, armed robberies and elaborate insurance fraud schemes. One of his big insurance fraud crimes involved setting fire to the home of Saudi Sheikh Mohammed al-Fassi, for which he had avoided jail time by ratting out his other associates. He came to California and at the time of meeting the Solomons, owned a car dealership in Reseda. Raider and Saul had a nasty falling out two years before the Solomon disappearance, so people were really shocked when Saul announced that he recently invested $20,000 into Raider's dealership. When authorities arrived at the dealership to question Raider, they were surprised to find Saul's missing Mercedes sitting in the garage. Raider had his own version of events surrounding the family's disappearance. He thought they were probably on vacation. According to Raider, the night he had met Saul, they had gone to a car auction in Saul's van, and after the auction, Saul wanted to be dropped off at a nearby Israeli restaurant. Raider dropped him there and took the van back to the Salman home, where he got the keys to his Mercedes from Elaine, planning to take it to his shop for repairs. The police noted some discrepancies in Raider's story. Also, though Saul had left his house to meet Raider at 6, the car auction he was going to had actually ended at 5. The story itself was also inconsistent, at first saying that Elaine had handed him the keys, but later on saying he had gotten them out of the mailbox. Still, there wasn't enough evidence to hold him, so he was not arrested or brought in for further questioning. Then and forever on, Raider adamantly denied having anything to do with the disappearances, and even dropped info that he thought Saul was a gunrunner selling illegal Uzis, revolvers, and automatic handguns. The craziest thing was, that part wasn't pure speculation. Saul had shown neighbors several Uzis that he was indeed selling. It was also uncovered that Saul had been involved in a Van Nuys apartment insurance scam. His neighbor, Marty Laffer, knew that Saul was no saint, but didn't believe he had mafia ties. After the family disappeared, out of respect, Marty kept Saul's business afloat for a short period and filed his taxes. He joked, and this is telling, quote, It was probably the first honest return Saul ever filed. Meanwhile, other disturbing information was coming out about the Salmon family. Neighbors theorized that the family was murdered over a bad business deal. Some admitted they knew Saul was a criminal and a philanderer, traveling to Europe without Elaine, sleeping with prostitutes. They also kind of thought Saul was losing it. Before the disappearance, he had stopped bathing regularly and would hide wads of cash behind picture frames in his house. And Elaine wasn't a saint either. Friends of Elaine's knew she was unhappy and had a secret boyfriend that she loved. Before she disappeared, Elaine told everything to a friend of hers who convinced her to stay with Saul because she had a beautiful home, didn't have to work, and that her boyfriend was broke. The case had hit a dead end until October of 1983, when police were contacted by a John Belushi lookalike named Ashley Paul. It might be Polly, but I think it is Paul, who had a story to tell. Paul was Raider's cousin and right-hand man, a taxi driver who said he had actually seen Raider and some, quote, Italian accomplices shoot Saul and his family and had helped bury the bodies out in the desert. Paul said Saul had been killed during a dispute about Saul's investment in the car business, and the family members were killed too, so nobody would find Raider out. Paul also said that Radar was responsible for the vanishings of a British couple named Peter and Joan Davis, who had gone missing a year earlier. Paul even led police out to the locations where he said the bodies were buried, but all they found was a tattered green quilt. One investigator would say, We went out to the desert area and he was trying to show us a different area where he thought the bodies were buried, but nothing worked out. He was lying or he didn't really want us to find the bodies because he thought if we never find them, no one could be prosecuted. Paul told police he was willing to testify against Raider in exchange for immunity, but after failing four polygraph tests, the police didn't agree to the exchange. He was a criminal himself and highly inconsistent. Not long after Paul was arrested, a Los Angeles municipal court judge held a closing hearing in which she ordered Paul's statements to be thrown out, concluding that the immunity deal was poorly worded and that Paul had been, quote, coerced into compromising himself. The DA lost his appeal of the decision and Paul got on a plane to go back to England. Still, this didn't mean Raider was done being pursued. 
On May 13, 1987, detectives ripped up part of the parking lot behind where his dealership's mechanical shop used to be, looking for bodies. When they found none, in 1987, Rader, who had been in London, re-entered the U.S. three months later with a false passport and was arrested. But police bumped into the same problem they initially had. All of the evidence against Rader was circumstantial. Also, now stories were popping up that people who claimed to see Saul Salmon in California after the family had disappeared. Desperate, the police called Paul to testify after all, but at that point, he flat out refused. After two mistrials and the frustration of lots of Salmon friends and family, Rader was acquitted. Journalists have tried to contact Rader for a statement, anything, but his numbers are currently out of service. The man had vanished like the family who put him in the spotlight. To date, the Salomons remain missing, but so many questions remain. Rader was a bad guy, sure, but a murderer? Was Ashley Paul involved? A different business contact? Was it Saul Salomon himself or a boyfriend of Elaine's? Without more clues or admissions or some lost DNA evidence popping up, we'll probably never know. I would imagine something of this magnitude to pull off a crime like this, it would be more than an impulse, like Mm -hmm. it just happening randomly, which it always could be. Mm -hmm. It sounds like something that was somewhat thought out, planned out to not find several bodies. You know, identifying several people seems like a lot of work. They had lives and, and they were connected to people. So to pull people off the grid like that probably would take someone who's professional, thought out. And I'm sure this this guy, he probably has more information than he's telling. Absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I, probably, I'm sure everyone probably knows that at that point. But mm-hmm. sometimes maybe the price of dealing whatever you're dealing in is something like this. I mean, mm-hmm. you see it on TV shows and movies and it's got to come from somewhere. Not saying that yeah. that's the case. But early 80s, San Fernando Valley. Totally. Wild. I mean, a lot of you know infamous crimes have happened then mm-hmm. and in, an interesting time in, in history. And totally. yeah, and yeah. nobody is in it. Like there's neighbors, but everyone has their own bias, especially in a story like this. Like nobody is completely absolved of their crime. Like nobody is completely at fault and nobody is completely innocent. Like everyone kind of has their own Pretty, self-interest yeah. in the case. I think when it, you know, the neighbors to the perpetrator, you know, like to all these people are kind of trying to, give something away and hide something. So it's really, it feels like it's such a moving target to figure out. And that's why researching this case, it was such good insight to hear the neighbors and stories around the neighbors, because at least with that, you're getting the most objective view of all of it. There's one person that I'd like to see if they have any information, be my mother-in-law, because she lives in the area. Hmm. And she hasn't said anything about it. She hasn't volunteered any information about this case. So, hmm. Oh, suspicious person. I mean, unless she, I don't know, like buys me an expensive car, hmm. then I'll forget about it. Oh. But until then, we ghost town has <laughs> oh, his mother-in-law. Uh-oh, buy Jason a jewel-toned Mercedes-Benz. That's all I can say. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.